For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, a winner. It won't be this time. The story. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans, from See You at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the See You at the Game website and your host for the See You at the Game podcast. Again, for those of you who may be tuning in to hear Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, they're fine. They will be back for some preview episodes for spring practices. For now, though, we are continuing with our series of interviews with CU student-athletes. I am joined for this episode by senior defensive lineman Terrence Lang. Terrence is a sixth-year senior, which used to be an anomaly, but is not as unusual as it once was what with the COVID year of 2020 not counting towards eligibility. Still, as a recruit from the CU class of 2017, coming in as the Buffs and Pac-12 Coach of the Year Mike McIntyre were coming off of a 10-win season, Terrence has been through a great deal including being coached by three different staffs in as many seasons between 2018 and 2020. A recognized leader, both by his peers and his coaches, Terrence lets us in on how the Buffs are doing coming off of a 4-8 year and a series of defections through the transfer portal. If you're like me, you won't be able to help but cheer for number 54 as he takes to the field this fall. So, which two young defensive linemen does Terrence see as stepping up and having an impact this fall? What are his personal goals for the 2022 season? And, as a leader in the locker room, what is Terrence seeing from the current Buff team during conditioning drills this spring, which gives him optimism for the 2022 season? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back, and I am joined by senior defensive lineman Terrence Lang. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Glad to be here. How are you? Well, not too bad. Glad to have you aboard here. Let's talk about you being a senior. You're kind of a senior in many more ways than one. Used to be that a sixth-year senior was kind of a unicorn that, uh, you know, I had to have a regular redshirt year and then have a medical redshirt year and then petition the NCAA and not so much anymore, but you are going to be a, a six-year senior. Is that right? 
right, I am going to be a six-year senior. Okay. Well, it's nothing like Britton Covey. He was class of 15 for Utah and had a Mormon mission. He still has a year of eligibility left. So, you know, strange times. But you were a member of the class of 2017, correct? Yes, that's right. So going back in our Wayback Machine, that's coming off of the 2016 season when CU had 10 wins, won the Pac-12 South, went to the Alamo Bowl. Mike McIntyre was the Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Seems like a long time ago. Tell us what it was like to be a recruit in the, the class of 2017. It, it does seem like it was a while ago, but it actually it was exciting being recruited in that class of 2017, just being on the outside and seeing all of the winning and the turn in the program that they were going. And when I came to Boulder during that time period with coach Mack and those players that were around that team, I just saw the future being very bright for this program. And I still do. Okay. And you're from Pasadena originally. Is that, uh, is that, I am from Pomona, California. And I went to, I attended a private school in Pasadena. So I went to high school in Pasadena, but I'm originally from Pomona, California. Okay. And you grew up in Southern California. I did all of my life. I grew up in Southern California. Okay. (laughs) And you had offers from all over the planet coming out of the, the, as a part of the class of 2017, most of the Pac-12, both the LA schools, Arizona State, Washington State, Oregon, and then schools like Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Tennessee. What's it like? Tell us, what is it like to be a recruit with all that sort of attention on you? And what's it like to have a bunch of people down how wonderful you are and want them to come play for uh, it's definitely interesting. When I first got recruited, I couldn't believe it, honestly. I, I received my first scholarship offer, and I was mind-blown. But being recruited by CU was great. At, before I committed to CU, I was committed to USC. And when wanting to, I'm from Southern California, so USC, my home school, all sounded great. But as recruiting went on, I just I took a visit to CU after talking to Coach Hagan. Coach Hagan and I have a really close relationship that's who recruited me to actually come to see you. And after speaking with coach Hagan for a while, I realized that I, I didn't want to be in my own backyard. I felt like I needed to leave and experience something different just to get away from home and Colorado. When I took a visit here, it was just great. It felt like family. It felt like home. Wow. So, yeah. So you waited, you were, you didn't actually commit till the, uh, the second signing date. Um, the, that used to be this first Wednesday in February was the big day for recruiting. And you, you waited in, until signing day. Was there other options that you were still looking at? I, like you say, you were committed to the USC and then decommitted. Was it CU all the way after that? Or were you still pondering other options? Well, honestly, once I committed to USC, my recruitment kind of fell off. The only school, because I was 100% committed to USC, the only school that continued to recruit me through my commitment was CU. So on signing day, the very first signing day, I was supposed to sign to USC, but I just didn't feel like it was what I wanted to do at the time after I had already took my visit to CU after continuously talking to Coach Hagan and even certain players on the team that I was in communication with that I ended up building relationships with that held me back from signing on that first signing day. 
And that was really the big delay. Okay. Now, there are a whole bunch of names. This The, the class is ranked 32nd in the country. You know, obviously, you were one of the headliners. You were one side had you like the number 22 defensive end in the country. Another like rivals had you at number 32. Was that something that you paid attention to your senior year? Did you go to class on Monday and have your teammates say, hey, I saw you drop five spots. You know, why aren't you trying hard or anything like that? Or you just try and tune all that stuff out during your senior year? During my senior year, I was already committed and I tried to just have the best year possible. I tuned all of the stars and all of the numbers out because personally, I feel like none of that matters. But I didn't I tuned it all out. I had a few people from, like you said, 24 seven rivals that would come to the school and interview me, talk to me. And it was an exciting process. And it's hard not to uh, to fall into that and begin to look at that. But I tried to make it a main point and focus of mine to stayed focused on football and I never really paid attention to the stars numbers or stats at all okay well that class had a number of names that are familiar to CU fans but it seems like a long time ago like Jake Moretti Katie Nixon LaVisca Chenault not not Levante Chenault but LaVisca Chenault was part of your class Dante Sparacco the first time he committed to CU was part of that class Um, And you had a number of defensive linemen, Jonathan Van Deest, uh, Shamar Hamilton, Carson Wells, of course, Jacob Collier, Chris Malumba. So you had a bunch of defensive linemen that were part of the 2017 class, and you're kind of the the last man standing. How does it feel to hear those names and think back to the spring of 2017 when you were part of that class? It's definitely a jog back to memory lane, hearing those names. It seems like it was so long ago, but being here at Colorado over these years, I've gained experiences and learned a lot of things. And those players have moved on. And I actually have tight, close relationships with a lot of those names that you have mentioned till this day, even though they don't attend CU still. I'm in great communication with a lot of those guys you talk, you mentioned as far as Chris Malumba, Jacob Callier, Carson Wells. We still communicate on the daily. So... Um, me being here at CU, I feel like it was just everyone's timing is different, and my timing just led me to be here at CU for an extra year. Very good. Well, let's walk through a little bit of your path. Uh, 2017 was just a redshirt freshman year. Again, that's normal for all for linemen, but anymore that seems archaic. But you sat out your 2017 season redshirt freshman. You played 11 games. And it turned out that that was the end of the Mike McIntyre era. So 2019 as a sophomore, he went from playing, playing in 11 games in 2018 to starting 11 games in 2019, but you had a brand new coach. Now you're under Mel Tucker. So what was it like transitioning from Mike McIntyre's staff to Mel Tucker's staff? The transition was definitely different. Like, as you mentioned, that first year when I only played in 11 games, I believe I was only playing third downs. So it was definitely a heavy transition to go from playing third downs to play first, second, third, and down for down. So, But I feel like I picked something up from each of those coaches. With Coach Mack, Coach Mack taught me things that I uh, still carry with me to this day. I had a foundation that was already established. So when Coach Tuck came in, I kind of just had to listen to what he said and get to work and adjust to our new coaches just based on that foundation I had built with Coach Mack. So 
even though I know at CU we've had coach after coach and it's, it seems like it's been a long journey, which it has. But in the end, I look at it in a positive light, whereas I pick up different things from each of those coaches that I can take with me and continue to use throughout my career. Okay. Well, then 2020 hits just a six-game season, but you were honorable mention All-Pac-12. Uh, you won the team Eddie Crowder Award for leadership. But again, now you're third year, a third set of coaches. So how was it like for you in the, the COVID offseason and then adjusting to a, a coaching staff that you really didn't have much contact with before you started play in November? It was definitely, I didn't have much idea what direction it was going to go or any idea about the coaches that were coming in. It was kind of just about staying down and trusting the process for me. And once those coaches did get in and I got a chance to finally sit down and talk to them and see what they were about and what they wanted to do with the program, I was comfortable and I felt like it was possible for us to move forward. But it was definitely a heavy transition. I had long talks with family, long talks with close friends about decisions that I should make. And in the end, I felt like after all of those changes, the best thing for me to do was to be here in Colorado and this program can be back to where it was back in the day. It's just, we need to get the right people in here. And I believe right now with Coach Durrell, that's what we got going on. Okay. Very good. So last year you're on the field for 589 snaps. One of the highest totals on the team, bunch of third down stops. You're getting obviously, you know, foundation on the line. So do you feel like you were coming into your own last year as uh a leader on the team and uh, like you say, a three down player. I do believe, and I, I try to took it on my own, took it, the initiative to embrace that role last year to kind of be more vocal as a leader and want to be in when that game, when those stops need to be made, I want to be the player on the field. So I kind of just tried to take it to bring my, bring myself along and also bring my teammates along with me. So that was definitely an emphasis for me this past year was just being more of a, a dominant player and a vocal leader to where I could encourage myself and encourage my teammates along with me. Okay. So, so far you're at 40 games with 27 starts, I guess a little bit of continuity, at least in terms of Chris Wilson still being there as your coordinator. So it is this off season a little bit easier considering you had the Mike McIntyre leaving then Mel Tucker leaving then the COVID year not that any off season's normal or anything like that, but it's, you feel like the this off season's had some at least continuity to it. Um, yeah, to a certain extent, having Coach Chris Wilson stay behind uh, and be here with us as the D coordinator for a second year is definitely a plus, and it makes the process a lot easier going into this spring. We did get a new D line coach, but he kind of follows the same philosophies and preaches the same things that coach Chris teaches and coach Chris took the made it important to him to find someone that would make it an easier transition for us. And I think that that's all working well in our favor. Okay. So you're still in off season conditioning. Have you had much uh, contact with, I guess it's Vic. So Otu, if I got the, the name pronounced right, have you had a lot right. Is it just uh, some team meetings or have you actually had some conversations with your new uh, defensive line coach? Oh, we've had a few conversations. Definitely. We're both excited. Uh, we started actually doing football school 
and uh, actually starting to talk about a little bit of football and hearing him coach and see how he coaches. So I've definitely got a little bit more familiar with him over the past few weeks. Okay. And you mentioned, of course, that Chris Wilson's still your guy. And this is the the second year for Shannon Turley, the strength and conditioning coach. And there's an axiom that says that the three most important hires for head coach are the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and the strength and conditioning coach. Shannon Turley came to Boulder with some in, you know, good credentials coming out of Stanford and stuff like that. What's uh, what's it like working with uh, the strength and conditioning coach here in the in the off season? What's what progress are you guys making? How do you like um, having uh, Turley as your strength and conditioning coach? Coach Turley's a great strength and conditioning coach. He knows what he's talking about. He has a lot of experience behind his belt, which makes it easy to trust him. But this being our second spring going into Coach Turley's workouts last year, we kind of just took off on a running start we didn't have a lot of time so we had to there was much of a learning curve so things took kind of a while to get going but this year with it being our second year with coach Turley I feel like we've all had a a chance to really understand how the system worked what coach Turley wants us to do and what what his goals is for us as a team so it's a lot easier and more efficient this spring we can kind of like get to work and skip the learning curve just being that this is our second year with coach Turley yeah. So does it really make, I mean, you know, every time we get a new strength and conditioning coach and we, you know, being any, any program, you know, it's always like, well, we got this new guy and he's got these new plans. He's got this new system. You've been through a lot of different coaches, a lot of, you know, several different strength and conditioning coaches. Does it make that much difference? Is it just different philosophies or is there a, an actual step up when you're dealing with uh with Shannon Turley um there's a different approach I would say that I wouldn't say there's a major difference but there's definitely a different approach to how coach Turley coaches and he takes a lot into the more like technical side of things like he wants to make sure that our bodies are right he wants to make sure that we're stretching making making sure that we're doing those functional movement things like I feel like he pays a lot more attention to the smaller details, which in the long run is going to be better for everyone's body on the team. And that's where Coach Turley really comes in. And I think he'll be really helpful for us, especially as is making people last as long as they can throughout the season with the small, we focus on small joints, small movement, things that make you last longer as a player. And I think that's great. Good. Well, he had nice things to say about you, you know, talking about leadership and again, you already won the Eddie Crowder Award for Leadership, so you'd already been recognized as a leader on the team. And Shannon Turley was talked, was interviewed and asked about getting leaders in the room because um, you know during the off season you don't get as much contact with the coaches and you got to do it on your own. And Shannon Turley said, "It's one thing when Coach Turley says it; it's received differently when Terrence Lang says it." So, what are you doing? What are you doing being a leader? in the weight room to carry on or to, you know, be a leader on the, on the 2022 team. Definitely just trying to be more vocal. I want to lead by example and be more vocal. So in the weight room, I want to encourage guys and the whole, it's not just me, the whole approach from the team. We have guys that are all stepping in and realizing that we need, it's going to have to be player driven for us to be successful. And I think us all just realizing in that light turning on that once this thing is player driven, 
that's where we're going to take off running. So that's the motivation behind it all. So. Okay. Well, we were talking a little bit off air about your, your morning and you said that there was a, a voluntary workout and that uh, that's where you were at this morning. This would be a Saturday morning as we're taping this. Are you getting more participation in voluntary stuff this year as opposed to last year? I mean, is there some noticeable difference or is it just, you see, you see have a bunch of guys that are, are doing it, but you're not necessarily be able to tell measurably that it's a lot more guys or a lot more enthusiasm. There's definitely a lot more guys that are attending these Saturday workouts because like I said, we realized that it had to be player driven. So us as a player, some leaders and some leaders on offense, some leaders on defense, we set out a time and blasted through the teamworks and we're like, Hey, defense, we're going to be in the weight room at this time. And we're going to hold each other accountable. Like, if you're not there, you're going to have to tell your teammate why you weren't there. It's not coaches or anything, you know? So, and that makes a difference when you realize that your peer is counting on you to be there. So we've gone from, I believe like if I had to come up with a number today, we had at least 85% of the team in attendance today to a non-voluntary workout. And I haven't seen that in a while. Excellent. And just talking about your, your line, I guess we can call it your line because you're, you're the man, you're the senior. Have there been any of the younger players that maybe some CU fans aren't quite as familiar with because they've been going through their red shirt? You know, they've been, you know, just doing special teams, things like that. They haven't seen the field as much. Are there uh, any stars in the making that along the defensive line that you can say, you know, hey, you guys should look out for this guy in spring ball and look out for this guy this fall? Oh, they're definitely, we got some young guys. They got a lot of uprising and talent in the D-line room. Uh, One that sticks out to me would be Ryan Williams. I think Ryan Williams has the ability and potential. He's going to be a great player for CU one day. And he has the drive and will to want to be and all the tools to be. So he's one guy. We got Tyus Martin, who's really starting to come around and excel through workouts. And those are two really guys that I see standing out that really will make a difference. Excellent. Well, I'm sure being a defensive lineman, you know more than most or can see it better than most that the defensive line really can dictate the outcome of a game. If you look back at the Super Bowl, what the Rams defensive line was doing to Cincinnati, looking at what Georgia did to Alabama in the national championship game, your new coach, Vic Soto, gave some quotes and he talked a lot about violence, you know, that, uh, I mean, I, I can quote it here. You need a defensive line that's violent and physical. If you have a physical, violent defensive line, then everything else kind of takes care of itself. We're going to establish the violent, physical nature of football, and we're going to have a violent mindset. That's four violence in four sentences. Obviously, you want to be turned loose. You want to be an aggressive defensive line. You like that philosophy? I mean, obviously, you probably agree with me that defensive lines really can have a say in how the a game's going to turn out and dictate the how an offense is going to be played. I 100% agree with that. I believe everything starts up front. And what's really exciting about that is having coaches like Coach Chris, who believes everything starts up front, who's our D coordinator, having Coach Vic, who believes everything starts up front, who's my position coach. And the defense is really front-driven. And that's really exciting for me and all the other D linemen and even the backers. And the secondary as a defense is really exciting. And we all know that defense wins championships. As you said, the Super Bowl, the defense, the Rams defense won that game all the way. 
So I couldn't. And Coach Jarrell wants the defensive line to be the driving force of the team. And I really like and respect that. Okay. Well, you know, coming off of last year's four and eight season and losing a couple of guys along the defensive line, um, do you see that uh, the defensive line for 2022 has the makeup to to be a driving force, to be uh, a line that can dictate how the game's going to be played in 2022 against CU's opponents? Definitely. Our D-line, we have a lot of young guys who have a huge uprising, and then we also have a lot of guys that are coming back. Like, we haven't really lost a lot of uh, – we lost a few edge guys in, like, Carson Wells and stuff like that. But as far as interior D-linemen, we kind of have all of our guys coming back that played main roles in playing last season. So it's going to be more exciting even next year to get Coach Vic's perspective added in with Coach – Chris's perspective and not alone that we have a another year of experience in this defense last year was kind of our first experience in playing this attack defense and now now that we have a year under our belt and playing the attack defense and we got the fundamentals of it now we can just take strides and take things to the next level okay and you excited for your what are your personal goals for 2022 as a returning senior I have a lot of personal goals. This is my last season. So I honestly, I want to establish a dominant name in the Pac-12 as a run stopper and a pass rusher. And a specific goal, I want to leave the season with one sack a game. That's one one goal that I have, just one sack a game. And that's really my main goal for this next season. Okay. And you're in line to, to graduate. And to the Pac-12, of course. Sorry. Yes. No, no. Yes. I, I asked for personal goals. We can talk about team goals as well. Right. I just had to throw that in there. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, that's, that's good. Now, you talked about back when you were a crew tuning things out with the Seuss record last year and a difficult schedule coming up this year and a number of players that were lost, you know, through graduation or the transfer portal the preseason magazines are not going to be kind to see you, you know, not going to have a lot of anticipated success for Colorado coming up. Is that something you guys use as motivation or is it something you just ignore altogether? Um, Personally, I use it as motivation, but I think as a team, we try to ignore it because people only see what they see from the outside. We only know what's going on inside and what's really happening. So there's always going to be someone that has a different opinion about this or that. So we don't really pay attention to the critics or what fans or anyone has to say. And I kind of embrace playing with that chip on my shoulder coming in as a low seed or the underdog. I kind of embrace that feeling. Okay. Well, I mean, you certainly have a lot of fans, you know, in the, in the buff nation and you had a fan even back in 2017, I think uh, found a story with Phil Lindsay was talking about, you know, that there aren't too many kids like you. And, you know, of course, Phil Lindsay, that was back in 2017 when, you know, you were just, a, you know, coming in as a freshman and, you know, Phil Lindsay's kind of CU royalty. So to have someone like that say that uh, you're something special has got to give you some motivation, some excitement about what it's going to be like to be a, a leader on the team and perhaps getting a sack of game and winning the Pac-12. Definitely. And Phil is a great person. Just I've had a lot of talks with Phil that stuck with me, and uh, I learned a lot from Phil in his time. The short time that I was here with him, I was registering while he was actually playing his last year. So I just kind of got to sit back and watch, and that kind of 
opened my eyes to a lot of things. Phil used to tell me all the time about how you can, the potential that I had and how you can change the room by just focusing and bringing other people along with you and how the small things and minor details you can do can change. And I feel like I kind of watched Phil do that himself. So for him to say that to me, it's like, I'm going to listen to what that guy said. (laughs) So, so yeah, having Phil as a mentor or just someone to give me guidance along the way while I was here at CU in the early stages was definitely a plus. Okay. Well, last thing you had some injuries along the way, are you a full go uh, at this point? Any concerns about heading into the spring or heading into the fall? I did have some injuries along the way last season. Uh, I, finished the season healthy. I started healthy uh, from recovering from my injury. And right now I'm constantly in the training room to remain healthy. I'm full go and feeling great. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time. And we'll be looking for number 54 on the field this fall and wish you the best of luck. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This episode and this series of interviews would not have been possible without your kind contributions to the CU at the Game NIL campaign. So thanks to all of you for supporting your CU student-athletes. I'm enjoying the interviews, and I look forward to meeting and interviewing more CU student-athletes in the coming days. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming interviews. See what the game podcasts are available at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, lots of different places. So please subscribe so you don't miss any future podcast interviews. So until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs. Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.